0: Up and Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 76 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and my favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, just released their prospect camp roster. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he has no clue what he's doing running this shit. Frank, how you doing?
1: Oh, for the love of salmon sandwiches. I don't even know. I messed up. I was just went... so excited about today's episode. And previewing went... the Pacific. Whoa! <laughs> that
0: was gold. That's like, that's a Mount Rushmore moment on this show, I think. <laughs> that
1: was, it was good. I liked it.
0: He said, nah, nah, bring back the title screen, <laughs> says Skyler. Yeah, I mean, it's prettier than our faces, eh? I mean, you could speak for yourself, right? I had a whole like thing that I was ready to like say for each of us. And I flipped on both of them because of you going, whoa, <laughs> I was like, I'll just say some shit about the devil's camp roster that just came out. And I was, uh, I was going to talk some shit about the Steelers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, our second favorite teams and both getting like ugly ass wins. But you, you took that out of my mouth by going,
1: whoa. Well, that's what you get with a live show. Is that the first time noise
0: came out of your mouth before mine on this show?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I that might it was worth it. That might be the first show that my voice wasn't first. Did you do one with just Joey? No, you never did one with just Joey. We got to make that happen. I want to sit back and watch you two clowns do bar down. Make and I'll happen. just take notes and think about how little each of you know about hockey. Just make kidding. Just kidding. Frank, what a weekend. But before we get into any of that weekend stuff, I saw a couple days ago, it was National Video Games Day. How happy did that make
1: be? Yeah, it, it made me happy. Unfortunately, nothing big came out, but I, it kind of went like under the radar this year.
0: It did, but there was a PlayStation and Nintendo kind of like direct, wasn't there? Did Xbox that was yesterday?
1: Yeah, but yesterday wasn't National Video Game Day, no, wasn't it? Two days ago, yeah. So it's like that day kind of went under the the radar a little bit, and not a lot of people were talking about it. And but yesterday was sick,
0: yeah. New Legend of
1: Zelda game was my god, I know.
0: Uh, I honestly think when the new Legend of Zelda game comes out, I'll probably like. Without anyone knowing it, play it more than you could possibly imagine. Because it's on Switch. I could be playing Switch while, like, you know, you're anywhere. And then when you get home, you could just throw it on the TV. Skyler makes a great point about yep. the MW2 reveal trailer. Yeah, that should be fun. That'll be real fun. I'll be locked and loaded on that. NHL's coming out soon. When does NHL 22 come out? Or NHL 23?
1: It comes out. Oh, my God.
0: It's not out yet, but it's soon.
1: It comes out. Did it come I out yesterday? Did it it no, didn't come no. out yesterday. Oh, wait. It comes out, I think, the 16th. Is it this Friday?
0: Oh, that would make sense. Actually, Hold on, I'm on it out on Friday sometimes now.
1: It used to be Tuesdays. Yeah, that, I liked it better on Tuesdays. Oh, like, no, no, no. October 14th. It
0: comes out after the season starts?
1: You could play it three days early on October 11th. That's right. That's right.
0: And that's the day the NHL season starts. But I mean, yeah. shit. Well, This morning, one of the first things I did today was play Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I was going up against a seven-year-old, and I absolutely smoked him. You know, it was just good to know that your boy, he still got it a little bit. He used to, you know, I came in second in a tournament
1: one time, uh,
0: and I'm by no means good compared to like...
1: Well, there were only two of you in the tournament.
0: Yeah, right. There were like 50, and I came in second. I'm sick at Smash Bros. If I use Link... If I use Link, I believe I can beat anybody. If I don't use Link, I am a scrub. I don't even know how to play the game with any other character. That's how much time I've put into using Link.
1: Wow. Um, I mean, I'm okay at it. I, yeah, I like yeah. the older ones better because it had the story mode and the subspace emissary. Emis- where was it? The emissary.
0: Sub- that was series. Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has a story. Does it? And there's Classic Mode. I think you would love Super Smash Bros. Ultimate if we're being frank with each other. No pun intended. Is that
1: the one? Oh, we've played
0: it. It just I haven't. It. it just came out on uh, Switch maybe in 2019,
1: 2018. We played it, didn't
0: we? Yeah, yeah, we've played it. It has every character ever in the series. Yeah, if I it's like been that. in a Smash Bros. game, it's in that game. And there's it's been a sick. lot of DLC. There's been so much DLC, and I actually have Nintendo, I have like a family plan with our friends, the bosses, and I have the extra Mario Kart maps too as a result of that, so um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I enjoy all this video game stuff, and you're the best person in the world at covering it. How does that make you feel?
1: I appreciate that. Um, It makes me feel pretty good to hear that. I try to provide the best content available to everybody. So I'll try and continue doing just that.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we'll get to a little bit more of the video game chatter in the third period. But first, we're going to talk about a little bit going on in the world of the National Hockey League. And that is going to get going in period number one. Frank, welcome to period number one where we are going to discuss all and everything hockey. I believe we will go over the news in period number one. Then in period number two, we're going to start our new series breaking down each division leading up to the start of the National Hockey League season. We will get there, so make sure you stay tuned. But we had to call one little bit of an audible today and add a bit of news that came out today to the very top of our show today. The Chicago Blackhawks announced that they are going to be retiring the great Marion Hossa's number 81 on November 20th against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Frank, give me your first initial reaction to that news.
1: I was not shocked at all. I saw the news today, and it's something that I knew was going to happen eventually. I didn't think it'd be on November 20th. I didn't think it'd be that soon. I thought maybe it'd be in 2023, maybe in February sometime. I love that it's against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It makes complete sense. And Hossa was a huge part of the franchise as a whole because without him, I don't know how many championships they would have won, to be honest with you. We've talked about Hossa so much on this show, and he was such a key element for this franchise that it's only right that they retire his number.
0: In my opinion, Marion Hosa is the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports. Sports! I love John Lester. He was incredible for the Chicago Cubs. They won one. Marion Hosa came to the team and was arguably their best player. And you hear Dave's Kane. That's because they were already there and established a core. When the Blackhawks brought in Hosa that changed everything. And another thing I often point out is whenever big free agents like make a choice like that, very seldomly do they ever live up to the contract that they signed, changing teams, all the hype that surrounded them. Marion Hossa did that and beyond. And I like I don't, was Dennis Rodman a free agent when he signed with the Bulls. I mean, that's big, but like Marion Hossa was a combination of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. He was the elite scoring winger that Patrick Kane was. And look at the stats. He had more points than Kane during his entire career. It wasn't until Hosa left that Kane became like that elite offensive threat that won a Hart Trophy and scoring titles and stuff like that. Like, And then Marion Hosa had the two-way game of Jonathan Taves as a winger. And it's yeah. very rare – that I ever think of a winger as someone who could win the Selkie Trophy as the best defensive forward in the NHL. I got two that come to mind in the NHL right now, Mark Stone and Tomasz Hurdle of the San Jose Sharks, and Stone obviously plays for Vegas. Those guys are like poor man version of Marion Hossa. Stone is Stone's almost as good as Marion Hossa. He'll probably go to the Hall of Fame too. But like what Marion Hossa did, he brought leadership. He also showed that the Chicago Blackhawks are no longer a joke. Yeah. Okay, for the longest time, they were a complete mud pile. And then all of a sudden, Marion Hosa shows up to town like, oh, we got these kids, this Taves and this Kane, uh, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook. All these kids are like 23. Well, we're going to bring over 28-year-old Marion Hosa, the veteran. And Marion Hosa cha- chased that cup around for a while. He came up just short in Pittsburgh and then just short – in Detroit, and then the following year wins the— or I think it was backwards. Just short in Detroit, just short in Pittsburgh. Then he won three of the next six with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010, 2013, and 2015. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the NHL, in my opinion. I'm happy to see his number as being retired. I'm also very happy that he— gets to do it against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that's important. I know everybody that supports Hosa in this little retirement ceremony is going to be Blackhawks fans and rooting for the Blackhawks to win. But let's not forget what the Pittsburgh Penguins did for Marion Hosa. He got out of the Atlanta Thrashers situation, and he went to a team. Who knows what he learned from Pittsburgh that helped him along the way in Detroit and Chicago. OK, like playing with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in the early stages of their career. That was great for Hosa. That's where he got his first ever deep Stanley Cup playoff experience. He knew what it was like to lose yep. because of Detroit and Pittsburgh ahead of Chicago and Detroit and Pittsburgh. They're like right there with the Blackhawks as the best organizations in that period of time. And they're still kind of up there today, even though Detroit's rebuilding. They're almost done. And, you know, you're seeing why they're, they were so successful back in the day. It's an indictment of Marion Hosa that his number is being retired. But, man, what a player. Just an absolute star. And I can't wait to see this.
1: And there's not – trust me, there's going to be no shortage of number retiring going forward in the future for the Blackhawks. So.
0: Yeah, he's kind of the first in line of many. I mean, who are you thinking? Obviously, the three Taves, obvious Kane, Keith. Taves, Kane, and Keith are the three obvious ones. Yeah. Do that you think anybody? It. Do you think anybody besides those four? I would consider retiring Crawford.
1: I would. That's that's what I would have said, but I don't know if they will.
0: I don't know if they will. It's fifty. Like you can retire fifty. And my thing with Seabrook is you didn't retire Chelios, and they were both seven. Exactly. And, and I would be okay with like a dual kind of deal. Like let's retire seven and honor Chelios and Seabrook. There's obviously bitterness towards Chelios because of where he ended up. Okay? like I, I get that. It's Detroit, Brent Seabrook. Do I think they win a cup without him? No. But I don't think they win a cup without any of these guys. There's like five or six guys, and then does Patrick Sharp enter the conversation? That's where I probably pull back and like, okay, you can't retire every number. Like, if you retire Patrick Sharp, then you got to start talking about Nicholas Yalmerson. Okay, well Johnny Oduya was very pivotal too. You're gonna retire 27. You didn't even retire 27 for Ronick, right? Who was significantly better than in Oduya as a as a defenseman. Ronick was a forward, but like you have to pull back at some point. I would retire 50. I would give Chelios and Seabrook a dual nod. They've done that in the past with other teams. Right. Like, oh, you know, we kind of we made a mistake not retiring your number. Like, this guy also wore the number and was great. Let's retire it twice. I both. mean, it's
1: very possible. I mean, I would consider it. Crawford was another key part along with Seabrook. But it's just, I don't, it's Taves, Cain, and Keith were like our guarantees. I agree. But you, you said agree. Hosa was, you know, you think the greatest free agent signing in Chicago sports history. What would it have to take for that not to be the case anymore?
0: Someone would have to come here. Uh, I mean, it it's like unrealistic expectations. Someone would have to come here win multiple championships, I'll go minimum of two, and they would have to win, like, multiple hardware. Like, if if Shohei Ohtani signed with the White Sox this offseason, or the Cubs, because I think, I think both teams are going to try and go after him in the free agent market if he doesn't get traded and then sign a long-term extension with the team that he gets traded to. If he were to come to Chicago and win a batting title, a Cy Young, and at least one or two World Series, then maybe Otani, like a guy like that, can be in the conversation. And that's just like banana lands unrealistic to think about right now. Right. Every team could use a player that has under two ERA or under three ERA while hitting 35 home runs. Every team in the league could use that. And the DH is accepted in both rule- leagues now. Yeah. Or like in football, someone would have to come to the Bears in free agency and maybe, like, a wide receiver, right? Like, come to the Bears, be Justin Fields' key to throwing, like, 45 touchdowns and winning a Super Bowl, and maybe probably two Super Bowls. Like, has Tom Brady done for the Buccaneers what Hosa did for the Blackhawks? I'll say no. And I'm the biggest Tom fan in the world. Tom's better at football than Hosa was at hockey, but... You know, most of the damage came with New England. Being the best free agent signing ever in a in a city or even in a franchise is very, very difficult. Who's the best free agent signing in Cubs history? I think it's John Lester. Lester. Yeah. In White Sox history, it's probably Jermaine Dye. Jermaine Dye was incredible. He was MVP. He came in fourth for MVP in 06, and he was the World Series MVP in 05. I can't even think of the greatest Bears free agent of all time. I mean, I'm sure there's some old older folks who could probably help me out with that because it sure as hell ain't anybody recently, right? Um,
1: I'm the, sure we'll get some comments.
0: Yeah, the Bulls. It's probably Rodman. I, I don't was remember he a free agent. I don't, I don't know if he was a free agent or if they traded for him. I My have no. I don't think agent. he was a was he a free think, agent. I don't think Detroit would have traded him to Chicago. So that's the reason I'm leaning. Free agent. I would have to look that up. Uh, Am I missing it? Oh, uh, we already got the Blackhawks. Besides Hosa, who is it for the Blackhawks? I mean... I have no
1: idea, to be honest
0: with you. I got nothing. It, It might be, like, a pretty good forward, but wasn't, like, a star. Like, Artemi Panarin. Who didn't win jack crap with the Blackhawks. He was very good. You know? They drafted or trade. They traded for Patrick Sharp from Philly. They drafted Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, Yalmerson, Crawford, Niemi. I I believe Oduya was a free agent from the Devils. Oddly enough, because I remember when he Oduya was. Oduya was on the Devils. I do remember that. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, so. it could have been somebody back in the day as well.
0: Yeah, but free agency wasn't what it is today either where like some of these guys hit the market and they make big money to come try and like be that final piece of a team. Hoša was the definition of that. Another one I can think of in hockey, Chara to the Bruins. It's funny because they're both Slovakian. Are the two greatest free agent signings in the history of the NHL, both from Slovakia, (laughs) which is like a mid-tier hockey country? I mean... Chara went to the Bruins and was sick and won Norris trophies and a Stanley Cup. went to two other Stanley Cups. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to get to that status. And that's why I believe Hosa deserves to have his number retired. He's one of the greatest players in the history of Chicago Blackhawks. And that's why we spent 20 minutes talking about him. (laughs) He's worth it for sure. He sure is. So Frank shifting gears a little bit. Um, Yesterday, or it was either yesterday or the day before, we found out that the St. Louis Blues have a contract extension with Jordan Kyrou, who was magnificent in 2021-22. We're seeing these young guys get contracts on the early side of their careers. It's becoming, we talked about it with Tage Thompson last week, and we saw guys like Shear and Hughes. All these guys are getting paid for what we believe they will do, rather than like the old school style of thinking like Taves and Kane, who got paid for what they did do. There's obviously risks to the Taves and Kane model. The Blackhawks haven't won a playoff series since Taves or Kane signed their uh, contracts. Um, there's obviously risk with someone like Hesher or Hughes get or Kyru getting this money early because they could end up not living up to the hype. But I like this deal for the Blues. Obviously, you like it for Kyru, He's rich now. Frank,
1: what do you got? Yeah, I really like this contract, actually. And a lot of the contracts we've talked about over the past few weeks... I've not necessarily been a fan of, but I, I like this one. He was basically point-per-game player last year. The Blues are always going to want to be a contender and stick around in the Central Division. I mean, there are a few weak teams in the Central Division, but ultimately you got to face the Wild, the Avalanche, the Predators. I mean, there are tough teams that they're going to have to try and overcome, and I think locking down Kairu is one of the best-case scenarios for them. He had three years to develop with the team, and then the, his fourth year, last year, he had that breakout year. It's like he got the first three years under his belt, and then he really started to kick off in the NHL. And I think now is the time that you have to lock down a player like that, uh, because you don't want to lose him. And let's not forget, he was also a 2022 All Star. So I, I love this move for the Blues. I think that they're gonna this will help him you know, stay in contention potentially in the Central Division. And great move.
0: I agree. The St. Louis Blues, and what's up, Skox? How's it going, man? Or Skokes? Sorry, I said Skox. I meant to say Skokes. Skokes. I'm learning. When first impressions are everything, I said Skox for so long, and I was wrong. He just
1: left. Yeah, he said said,
0: peace. You can't even say my name right. What up, Vinay? Um, No, I love Skokes. He's a good dude. I I like really with Hawaii. He's an incredible dude. Um, I like this deal for the Blues. They're Always, always, always a competitive team in the NHL. I can't remember the last time they were, like, looking to win the lottery. Uh, that really hasn't been the case in my time watching hockey. It will. Ha- I mean, it happens to everyone. Anybody who thinks they're invisible from that. Like, the Pittsburgh Penguins, of all the glory that they've had in the last 10 years, they're going to be really bad, I think, in three years. Because Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and, you know, Gensel will still be in his prime, but those three are contingent on their success. And I think they'll be elite to basically till the end. I do. I have that feeling as long as they stay healthy, um, especially Sid. But teams like the Blues and the Penguins, they'll get through it. They'll get to it eventually. But right now, that's not the case. I think they're actually going to be very, very good next year. The Blues are one of those teams that I'm not going to pick to win the cup any year. But, like, I wouldn't even pick them in 2019. They're one of those teams that you never pick to win the Cup, but you would be 0% surprised if they won it. I feel that way about a couple teams. Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Washington, Nashville. Um, I'm trying to think of some other. Edmonton, Calgary. I'm not necessarily picking any of those teams to win the Cup anytime soon, but if they won – would be 0% surprise. I'm sure you yeah. feel the same way, especially about the Blues.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, it's a great, great, great um, extension for him. $8.125 million average per year. He had 70, 75 points in 74 games. So when you're a point-per-game per, point per game player, it's absolutely worth it.
0: Speaking of young players, we're also seeing younger players be named captains around the NHL a lot lately and there's one team in the NHL where being the captain means just a little bit more than every other team. Like they take it so seriously. I was actually surprised to like learn this. They have to have a captain. I'm pretty really? sure the Montreal Canadians, as really? we found out that Nick Suzuki has been named as their captain. He's a younger player. I don't know for sure if that's true. But I've heard that they feel that they have to have a captain. Being captain of the Montreal Canadiens is like one of the highest honors yeah. as a player can get in the NHL. They're basically the Yankees of the league. And I like this move. There were some people like Nick Suzuki. Wow. They could have went a bunch of different directions. They could have given it to Gallagher. They could have given they could have waited. And you know, there are seven teams in the league without a captain as of right now. I like that they give it to Suzuki. They said, you're our man. We got you in the Max Pacioretty trade. He was our former captain at one point. Go be the captain. Let's yep. build this thing. We got good prospects. Um, Slavkovsky's coming along. They got good They got good players coming up. I like this move for the Habs.
1: Let's not forget he was their leading scorer too last year. And he played in all 82 games, which I think is crucial as well. But yeah, like you said, I think there is massive amounts of pressure on Suzuki to lead this Canadian's fan base. And not only that, but I I was like reading an article on the whole situation and the whole captaincy, like Quebec major leaders, like are kind of forcing him to learn French. Like he needs to learn French to like connect with the fan base. Like, I don't think it's mandatory, but it's like highly, 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 highly encouraged. Um, and he actually said he was taking online classes over the summer. So it's like, did he have a feeling that this was going to happen? Or did he just want to learn French just because he was playing for the Canadians maybe? But he also said he took it in like school growing up, but there's a lot of pressure on him, but I, I think they went with the right decision here.
0: I'm very happy you brought that aspect to it up. Cause I was going to do it. The Montreal Canadians are obsessed with a French speaking coach a french speaking gm if you follow them on twitter every other tweet is in french like they yep. write it they write an english version yep and a french version of every single tweet and i don't know if they do that for an american audience and a french canadian audience and an english canadian audience but everybody who follows the montreal canadians is probably either french speaking or for the most part, I'm sure there are some Spanish speaking hockey fans. They're obviously broadcast in every language. And I love that. But the two prominent languages that follow the Montreal Canadians are French and English. And I remember they were surprised when they gave it to Max Pacioretty, the captaincy, there was like, okay, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Subban or is it going to be Pacioretty? Subban speaks French. So we're going to give it to him. And then they were like, No, it's Max Pacioretty. And I was like, whoa. Not only did they give it to an American, they gave it to a non-French-speaking American. And, man, so good luck to Suzuki. I hope he succeeds. I like when Montreal's good. Okay, I don't love the – like, I'm not a Canadiens fan. You know, I like the Bruins. Obviously, the Bruins-Canadians is the best rivalry in the NHL. It's one of the best rivalries in sports. It's the best when it's good. Right now, the Battle of Alberta is the best. But in general, when both teams are good – I would say this is it. But there's just something about watching a playoff game in Montreal, and they win, and alle, 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 Montreal. We all sing the song. It's great. We're speaking French, even though we don't know what we're saying. And they light the the middle of the ice on fire, and they have that
1: crazy graphic. That's one of my favorite parts.
0: It's so cool, always. And... I'm impressed by this team a lot of the time and in terms of like what they bring to the league as, as an entertainment standpoint. And I don't think there's a better option they could have picked for the captaincy than Suzuki.
1: Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up the lighting the ice on fire. Cause I think that is one of my favorite, like opening ceremonies for a playoff team. I can't think of like, besides I mean, you got the octopus in Detroit, Vegas, um, Vegas is really cool. But they they don't do the same thing every year, right? Mm -hmm. No. No. Montreal lights the fire every single year. The Hawks had a whole bunch of different stuff that they do. But it's like when the Canadians are in the playoffs, I can expect some kids skating out to center ice with the torch and putting it down to the ice. and The the whole ice starts on fire. I love that. I look forward to it every time. I
0: agree. It's really cool. So. So, Frank. Hockey is really starting to get underway. There was a lot of it on my Twitter timeline today. The prospects are all in attendance. The prospects who are signed. So for those who don't know, like a player that's committed to play college hockey this season is not signed to the NHL yet. Like, for example, Luke Hughes of the New Jersey Devils. He does not have a contract signed with the New Jersey Devils. If he did, he would not be able to play for Michigan. So Luke Hughes is not going to participate in their prospect challenge. Any Blackhawks prospect... I believe is Nazar playing college hockey. Um, You know, those guys are going to be missing from all this fun. A lot of the times it's the European guys and the American slash Canadian guys that are going to play for either Rockford or Chicago this season. And the Hawks have their thing coming up with the Minnesota Wild. The New Jersey Devils have a whole prospect challenge set up. And Frank, you're going to watch all this stuff, keep up with it. Like you got to be excited, I'm sure.
1: I'm excited. I don't know how much of it I'll watch. I'll keep track of the Hawks. But um, the the one in Detroit, the w- between Detroit, Toronto, Columbus, Dallas, and St. Louis, mm-hmm. that's actually going to be really interesting. There's a lot of good players from this year to watch. They actually have three players from this year's draft, including two that were in the first round that will be playing both for Columbus, Columbus and then Kent Johnson, who went last year, of course. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um That's probably the one I'm most excited for, not including, obviously, the Hawks. But, yeah, prospects are always fun to watch because, in the end, they're the future of the team. You're going to be watching them one day anyway. so.
0: Absolutely. I remember the Hawks used to have it with the Blues and the Wild and the Predators. Now it's just like a two-game little thing
1: with the Wild,
0: and I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I mean, I like more of a tournament, but...
0: Yeah, so do I. And the Devils have one coming up. They announced their roster. Obviously, it has sick names like Alexander Holtz, Kevin Ball, stuff like that. So I'm excited for this. It basically is a sign that hockey's back. I'm going to see videos on Twitter. You're going to be able to write about it, which is nice. I'm, I'm actually going to do a piece on the yep. Devils prospect roster right after the show is over, and that'll go up. It's, I'm, I'm excited about it. But like you said, it's just about watching guys and seeing – intricacies of it's like great. The, the plays that they develop like hey this guy's really good at running a power play on the half wall or hey this guy can quarterback from the d point and i'm excited i'm just so excited that it's back and it always starts with the prospect challenge and the reason i wanted to even bring it up at all for those who don't know every single year i do a steve dangle prospect pyramid for the new jersey devils and anybody who does one for their favorite team and then takes a picture of it and tweets it at me and make sure you tag Steve Dangle as well. I will retweet and try to promote it for you. Cause I want to see as many prospect pyramids out there for every team as I possibly can. So my devil's one will be coming very, very soon.
1: I'm excited. I remember seeing those on your kitchen table when we would visit yep. and yep.
0: Absolutely. And you still the, got them all. Yep. I have them all. They're in this closet right here. Um, I'm excited to do it this week. I'm actually probably going to buy the poster board either today or tomorrow because I saw I got real motivated because looking at my Facebook memories this morning and my one from last year went up today last year. So I'm not I'm not behind because the season starts later this year. Right. But I'm I'm super excited about it. Now that the prospect challenge is there, I'll I'll take a little bit in from what I'm seeing and I'm going to rank them. And I think for the first time since 2019, a Devils player will go in Tier 1. It's There's been a dash in Tier 1 every year since, and there's a player wow. that was in Tier 2 last year that is getting bumped up to Tier 1 this year. I think you probably know who it is, but I'm going to let the suspense hang low for all the people watching. It How does that me make me you feel? feel? Oh, it makes it's me probably feel. Probably really good. It makes me feel great because like the Blackhawks wouldn't have one in tier one right now. Right. Like tier one is reserved for those guys that you believe is going to play this season or not necessarily this season. It's for guys that you believe that the second that they step on the ice, they are going to be a significant all-star type difference maker. Like tier one, tier two is where the elite prospects go. Tier one is where like, oh my God. And the Devils have one of those guys right now. I firmly believe that. And they've had two in the last five years. And this might be the last one for a while, I think. Really? Yeah. Normally, Tier 2 is slim. Last year, there were three players. One of them that were in it last year is getting bumped up. And one of them that were in it last year is getting bumped down. Now, here's the thing. I had Yegor Sharangovich in Tier 5. During COVID, comes in and scores 18 goals in 60 games, is sick. He's going to be in their top six this year. So just because you're in tier five doesn't mean you stink. It's just kind of where we see you at that moment in time. You can obviously climb. You could obviously fall. Probably the least fun I've had is with Jesper Boquist. He had an okay year last year, but like I had him in tier two. Him and uh, who was he in tier two with? I had oh Ty Smith, and then the Devils traded Ty Smith to Pittsburgh for John Marino. I think that's a great trade. But my tier two guys, they haven't come through for me quite yet. The tier one guys have though. Okay. So I'm excited to see what pe- how people critique it, and you know, t- talk to me about the prospects of their favorite teams. I can't wait to hear what you think about Blackhawks sure. prospects as sure. the whole thing goes along. So Frank. Jim Nill signed a contract extension with the Dallas Stars. I think he deserves it. Do you?
1: Oh, yeah. It's actually a one-year extension because he's got one year left, and then it's an extra year, so technically he's got two years uh, left on his contract. It's his 10th season with the Stars. Without this man, I mean, he turned this whole franchise around, to be honest with you. I mean, you just look at what he's done over the past 10 seasons. hes They've made the playoffs three of the past four years. He's gone to the Stanley Cup final two years ago. And his overall record with the franchise is 356, 259, and 84 with five playoff appearances. I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, nobody Nothing. really expected the Dallas Stars to be this contender and make it to the cup that one year. At least I didn't, me personally. But, I mean, he's determined to bring Dallas a championship. I think he's the right man to do it. And I know that he wants to be there longer than just these next two years.
0: I agree. I can only think of kind of two mistakes that he's made. And they both are mistakes I would have made. And that's like the long, lucrative contracts that were handed out to Jamie, Ben, and Tyler Sagan. And if they play half as good this upcoming year as they have like in the last two years, I would say the Dallas Stars can win the cup. Because all of their players that, like, get them into the playoffs and make it look like they're going to win a round, they're all, like, cheap entry-level deal players. Ah,
1: And I I think that's a big part because of him. Oh, it is. It's great drafting.
0: Right. You know, Robertson, I think he was a second rounder at that draft we were at. So he didn't even get drafted while we were there. He got drafted the following day. If that draft were redone, he'd go in the top five. He might go three. You know, you can argue between He's fantastic. You could argue between him and Heisher, I guess, and Peterson. Those three are all kind of like in the same range, and then McCargo's one. But I don't know. I really like what Dallas is doing. They're one of those teams like St. Louis. If they won the Cup, I'd be 0% surprised. Am I going to pick them? Probably not, but like that doesn't mean anything. I think they're very good.
1: I think he'll be there longer than these two years.
0: Oh, yes. I completely agree. They would have to really choke.
1: Maybe that's why they're doing it, like a one-year extension. Like, all right, we'll see. But, I mean, the numbers. I mean, he's been there a decade. I mean, the numbers show what they show. Absolutely.
0: Frank, there were updates this week on Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes. You like what you're
1: seeing? Yeah, they're both ready to go. Um, Couturier, I mean, let's be honest. The Flyers are going to stink. So, having Hayes and Couturier back – is probably, like, a big moment for Flyers fans, like, to get excited about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, both could be 40-point-plus players. I mean, if it's going to give the Flyers any motivation, I'm excited to see them back. Obviously, I want to see them healthy. But um, I think more so for Hayes, it's been a tough past year for him, losing his brother, then having to deal with this type of injury. Um an illness. I think he was also dealing with an illness, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's gone through a lot. So I'm just glad for him to finally be ready to go and get back on the ice and enjoy some hockey. And I mean, we'll see where the Flyers go, but they're probably going to be right towards the bottom of the league. Yes,
0: I agree. Um, I really like Couturier. I've always saw Shear's ceiling as Couturier. Mm-hmm. Like, if he reached that level of play, I would just be so thrilled. I think the world of Sean Cateria, he shuts people down like how Bergeron and Taves did at one point in their careers. Yeah. He doesn't have quite the offense as a Bergeron or Taves, but he has really good offense still. And man, he could shut people down. So I, I hope they work out for the Flyers. Um, Scott Darling has a new career in comedy.
1: This is hilarious. What do you this think? This is hilarious. Um, did you like read on this story? Cause it's like, oh, yeah. fascinating. Oh yeah. oh yeah. it's, it's fascinating how he like decided to get into it. Cause it was almost like a fluke, you know, at 33 year old, 33 years of age and you retire, it's not easy. Right? Like if I was in the NHL and I, and I had to retire at 33, I mean, I'd be a little sad. I'd want to go a little bit longer. Yeah. Cause it's like you have the whole, your whole rest of your life that you want to do something. Right. And he, he said, um, I'm going to read you kind of, or break down kind of what he said after he got, re- uh, after he retired, he got depressed for about six months and he didn't know what to do with his life. So, I mean, he was searching, right. Um, and becoming a comedian kind of was a fluke. He met this guy named Ray wisbrock, who he was at a comedy club. Ray recognized him from, uh, darling's career playing with the Blackhawks. Hawks. And he asked them, hey, you know, if you open for me, you could just open for me once. If you don't like it, you never have to do it again. So Scott Darling, being the guy that he is, he goes, all right, I'll try it. He goes up, opens for uh, Ray, the, the one show or whatever show it was. And he absolutely sucked at it. He was terrible. But Darling loved that energy that he got. And he loved the feeling almost as if he was playing in a National Hockey League game again. And he got that sense of urgency, uh, that sense of adrenaline, um, like I said, similar to playing a hockey game. And he, he's kind of stuck with it for right now. And I think it's fantastic because I love comedy. I love a good laugh.
0: Absolutely. He kind of was going with Barstool a little bit there for a minute. Was he? Before this whole comedy thing. He was on many episodes of Redline Radio as like a co-host. And... I thought he did good in like his post career, like media type stuff. So I wish him well with his comedy. Yeah. You said he wanted to go, he wanted to go a lot longer. I mean, he absolutely. Signed I would. He signed that deal with Carolina to be their like full time starter and he failed. He wasn't very good as the starting goalie. And yeah, that's why, oh, Frank, there's a Scott Darling story that I have that's kind of close to my chest that I haven't told too many people. There was this girl on Facebook one time that. I, I was like pro Crawford. I wanted Crawford to get back in the net. And someone commented on my thing saying, oh, Darling is a significantly better goalie. Crawford's not very good. He needs to go in. I'm like, oh, no, Crawford needs to play. This guy might go to the Hall of Fame. The Hawks will win the cup if they put him back in. And a couple games go by. Crawford comes back in. They win the cup. Her excuse was, I didn't play hockey. I didn't play goalie. So, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, actually, while you were playing hockey, it's actually funny. I was at home watching the NHL like a good little nerd.
1: That's actually really funny. Okay.
0: So, like, I played baseball. That doesn't make me think that I know more about baseball than someone who didn't it was just right. by watching. You don't know more about the White Sox if you played baseball. That does not make any sense in my brain. It makes That's no sense.
1: This was on Facebook, you said.
0: Yeah, and I ended up getting deleted. The Hawks won the cup, and and I don't even remember who it was. I just remember being so angry that there are people out did there. Did you know
1: them personally, or was it just like yeah. on a public? Yeah, show? from okay. school. Okay. And I was
0: like, I can't believe people say that because I didn't play hockey like that, like like you did. Yeah, that, that means I know less about the Blackhawks. That doesn't make you probably didn't weren't watching the games cuz you were too busy playing like that just makes no sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's really dumb logic. I would just ignore it.
0: Yep, and now I talk about sports for a living and they probably have like Yeah, a but you don't life. play
1: it. Yeah, no,
0: I don't know what I'm talking about cuz I didn't play. Um I did play hockey th- or uh baseball though. And that just must be why I'm so knowledgeable on the game, right? Cuz because I played baseball, I should win all my bets. And I should know exactly what's going to happen all the time, right?
1: Yeah, you should. I don't know why you don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I played football for one year. Did you really? Yeah. In high school? No, for Taft.
1: It was fun. I don't remember that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I played football. I was a backup nose guard. I was a starting guard. And every now and then, I, I wouldn't say... No, I would say I was a backup linebacker, but I was also like a part-time starter, if that makes sense. Like I I would start at guard almost every game. I played center the one game, our cent- or not center, nose guard, which is the guy who goes against the center on defense. Yeah. And then there were a couple plays where I played linebacker. And let me tell you, linebacker is probably the scariest position because you just kind of have to like wait for it to come to you. At least that's what our scheme was. And it's hard. Football's.
1: Frickin oh, impossible. absolutely.
0: Oh, so hard. Who <laughs> says it's not? No, I'm nobody. But I think it's harder than people even realize. It's because with hockey, with hockey, you you have plays and stuff. But in general, you have two defensemen who try to defend and, you know, get the puck to the forwards and the forwards yep. try to score. And the goalie stops the puck that he sees. In baseball, you throw the nine guys on the field. You put them where they think they're going to hit it. And the pitcher throws the ball. Obviously, the, the sequence – and the cadence between the catcher and the pitcher means a lot. But like with football, every single player is a catcher or a pitcher because right. they have to like know what to do on what situ- it's just freaking impossible to play football. It's so hard. But and you also have to be like physically ready because it's demanding in that sense. So
1: I like football, though,
0: but because I played it for one year, that means I know more than you.
1: I guess so. According Um, to whatever her name is.
0: Yeah. Frank, do you want to preview a division?
1: Sure.
0: Let's preview a division in period number two. Frank, welcome to period two, where we are going to preview one of the divisions in the National Hockey League, the division that we are going to start with. Pacific Division. Hey! Welcome to the Pacific.
1: Why are you whispering? I like to whisper too.
0: Can you hear it properly when I do it? Yeah. Oh, so like I don't sound like a complete clown? Just like a m- middling clown? I can hear it. Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. Um, the Pacific Division is a very interesting division. It has a chance to be the best division. It has a chance to be the worst division, in my opinion. Um... Last year, the best team in the division failed to make the playoffs. And a very streaky team in the division made it the farthest out of anyone in said division. Frank, let's start with the... We'll, we'll go with California first. We will start with the San Jose Sharks. Who okay. does Frankie Mueller believe is going to lead the San Jose Sharks in scoring?
1: My pick is Timo Meyer. Ooh. Yep. Um, I just, the Sharks, I don't think are going to be that good this year. I think Timo Meyer has a lot of talent, and somebody ultimately has to come out on top. It's going to be him. I mean, there's really no other reason why. I mean, he's very talented. Um, He's one of the best players on the team. So I'm going to go with him.
0: All right. I actually really like that pick. Timo Meyer is one of my favorite players in the league. I believe he will be a devil one day. That's just like my early, early, early prediction. And the reason I think that is because he is Swiss, and I believe one day he's going to say, "I'm going to play with Heisher."
1: Does he like Swiss cheese? I'm sure. I do.
0: I do. People people are weird about Swiss cheese, though. Swiss yeah, it's cheese. because of the smell. Yeah it's it's, it's the onion it. it's the onion of cheeses. It's stupid. I agree. I'm gonna uh, I was gonna uh, I'll go Tomas Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle, he was their second leading scorer last year, but he scored thirty goals. I think the goals will stay the same. I think he'll be pretty healthy. And I'm looking for the assist to come up a little bit. Okay. I'll go with Hurdle, but I believe one of us will be right. The only one that we didn't name that I think could be in the mix is Logan Couture. We've seen I was him say, lead yeah. we've seen him lead the sharks in scoring B. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how things are without Brent Burns too. I think that's gonna
1: Yeah, that's gonna change change be a huge
0: factor. Absolutely. Um let's go over I kind of like just picking the leading scorer in that's the divisions fine. and like you know, we'll go through the division, yeah. we'll yep. make our picks who we think are gonna make the playoffs and we'll, For sure how the division's gonna line up. But
1: let's go next with the
0: Anaheim ducks.
1: Um to me this is kind of a no-brainer. I really don't see any uh, anybody else on the team being the leading scorer except Trevor Zegers. Um, I, I, I'm really high up on Trevor Zegras, cover athlete of NHL 23. I mean, EA knows something, obviously. I think he's just going to be – he's the future of the Ducks. He's just going to have a tremendous year. He's so silky smooth with, with his hands. He's got some of the best hands in the league. I'm going to give it to Trevor Zegras.
0: We agree. I think Troy Terry will have a similar year, 67 points, 37 goals. Maybe he'll reach 40 if Zegers takes a step. I do believe Troy Terry's great. He could probably... He'll, hell, actually, I'm going to predict Troy Terry breaks 70 points.
1: But does he have more than Zegers? No,
0: absolutely not. I think Zegers could get 80, 90, or 100. Like, okay, that's what I go. think for So we agree on that. Let's move over to the bottom of California. Frank, who will lead the Los Angeles Kings in
1: scoring? So... I thought about this one for a little bit. But in the end, I went with my brain, I think, with their newest acquisition, Kevin Fiala. Um getting him from the wild, I mean, I think it's going to help the 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 team out tremendously. And they're a big reason why I think uh, Fiala is going to help them lead them into the postseason, which we'll talk about. But uh yeah, it's got to be Fiala.
0: I agree. I was gonna pick Fiala as well. He was great with the Minnesota. We're we gonna agree
1: on all of them. No, uh, I yeah, do think Kopitar. Cool.
0: Kopitar's more in the mix for this than Terry was for the Ducks. In my and I think Terry's in the mix. He's great. I think the world of Troy Terry. Kopitar's proven it to me. I mean, Kopitar's been in the '90s, like Stanley Cups, great player, gonna go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think Kempe will have a very good year. If Philip Denault gets 51 points again, I think the Kings will build a statue for him. Like, 51 points for someone who's so good defensively, like Philip Denault. Yeah. fact win the Selkie Trophy, he's so good defensively. And the fact I mean, that he put up 51 points is incredible. Like, great season for Phil Denault, but I think he'll be their fourth leading scorer. Uh, that's fair. I like Arvidsson, too. Arvidsson was <laughs> injured. He only had 49 points. Yeah. He's and not going to lead. Last year at 49 points – no, he's not going to lead. But last year at 49 points in 66 games, if he plays 82, we're probably talking in the 70s. Victor Arvidsson's great. He's great. He's not going to lead, though. No, I think that comes down to either Kopitar or Fiala for yeah. me. Uh, Austin Matthews will lead them in scoring one day. Um, let's go with – All right, VP. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly think Matthews plays for the Kings one day. It's possible. Um, Let's go with a team we love talking about on this podcast, the Calgary
1: Flames. Oh, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) There are two leading scorers from last
0: year. Johnny Goudreau signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Matthew Kachuk was traded to the Florida Panthers. Frank, who will lead the Calgary Flames in scoring? Maybe we will agree on everyone.
1: If you don't say (laughs) Huberto, I'm going to pound your head against the wall. All right? All right. Just because, like, come on. You replace your 100-point score with a 100-point score. I mean, Calgary's ready to make the playoffs again. You got Kadri. is going to come in. They're not going to play on the same line. But, I mean, he's going to get 100 points probably again. I would not be shocked whatsoever.
0: Would not be shocked whatsoever. I do believe Huberdeau will lead them in scoring. I do We're think it'll be, probably, all of them. it'll be closer than you think. Um, I do think I think the world of Lindholm and I think the world of Kadri they'll both be in the 80s or 90s I firmly believe that but freaking Huberto could get 80 assists he could score 20 goals and still have 100 points like I think that of that guy and did is he the third best player out of Goudreau Huberto Kachuk I would say so but it's better than rebuilding And I still think they will be a similar type team. I don't think they've downgraded too much. Kadri and Huberto should, for the most part, make up for the offensive talent and the feistiness that Kachuk and Goudreau brought. And I think Calgary is returning as pretty much the same exact team next year. They got to reform some chemistry. Okay. And people undersell chemistry and uh, line structure. And like, this guy fits with this guy. Obviously Goudreau was so good with Lindholm. And you know we'll see how how effective Kadri is stepping into Kachuk's spot with Manjapani and all that stuff. And I think Manjapani could score thirty again. There's no doubt in my mind he could score thirty. But he's not necessarily someone who makes people around him better. The elite offensive threats make him better, and he could score thirty. That's how good of a scorer he is. So yes, we agree. But I also I think out of all of the teams we've named so far, second and third will have the most points. On this Calgary team. I think they're loaded with talent. Absolutely. Frank, the interesting one, because there's one chalk answer for this team, but this team also has a guy that could just randomly, in my opinion, sneak up on people in terms of the scoring title race, and that is Leon Drysidles, Edmonton Oilers. Frank,
1: are you giving it to Mick Jesus? Yeah, I'm going Chalk. I love Chalk. Um, I, mean, how, I mean, yeah, I can understand why you could argue against it being McDavid because of Dry Dreisaitl. But for the sake of me wanting to be right, I'm going to go with McDavid. I agree.
0: I am also going to take Connor McDavid. I think he's the best player in the league. I don't really think that. I mean, I do think it's close. There are players really, really good on McDavid's level, and Leon Dreisaitl is one of those players. I do believe, once again, he will be one of two players who's on the 50-50 club. I don't think – there will be a year McDavid scores 50. I don't think it's this year. and And – can he'll get 100 points by going split even down the middle. He can make plays. He can make other people score goals. He could score goals himself. His shot is incredibly powerful. I do think he will lead the Oilers in goals. Um, But, I mean, it's hard to pick against McJesus. I'm not going to be the guy who picks against McJesus and he scores 150 points and is the first 150-point scorer since, like, Lemieux or Gretzky. Yeah, I'd rather be wrong with McDavid. I like that, That's just my that, take that's on it. What, that's what I said. And let me be very clear. Saddle had the fourth most points in the entire National Hockey League. Only the two guys that we just talked about, Goudreau and Huberto, had more than Saddle besides McDavid. And ah, I they're both going to be above 100. Edmonton will be in the playoffs. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But, yeah, I mean, it's the best one-two punch in the NHL, in my opinion. Yep. Um, let's head on over to your Seattle Kraken.
1: Frank, who leads Seattle in scoring? This one will be interesting to see if we agree.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to. We might not. But we'll respect each other's answers. I believe that.
1: Um, yeah, Seattle's gonna be a bottom of the barrel team this year. Probably be on the bottom, maybe of the Pacific Division. We'll see, but I got Maddie Beniers.
0: We agree. <laughs> I was gonna. Really? I was. I was back and forth between years and a rookie leading a team in scoring. Would not shock me if Shane Wright leads the team in scoring. I do believe he fell because of his attitude and he made teams think that he didn't want to actually be there. And that scared off teams like the devils, the coyotes and the Montreal Canadiens. And, but I do think he's incredibly talented. He's a great player. Um, I McCann led them in scoring last year. Yanni Gord, good player, Eberle, good player. All
1: these guys could lead them in Maybe scoring. Maybe we are going to agree on everything, but
0: I, I do think it's somewhat of a hot take to say Ben years. Like, is a rookie going to come first and second in scoring on the team? I think it's possible. It's possible for ben- sure. Beniers is a rookie. Just because he made it played a couple games last year, scored a goal against the Devils, I
1: would love Shane Wright to lead the team and just make everybody look like a fool for passing up on him. Yeah, and dropping the four. You're right. Now,
0: well, the Devils look like a fool if Nemich is good as a defenseman and they don't really need it. They didn't really need. Well, forward. yeah,
1: but the Canadians, come on.
0: Yeah, they coffee, need center depth
1: they need center depth
0: I know they've had good wings for a decade right patchated the Foley
1: they need center uh, depth
0: yeah I agree Gallagher like they they've they had so many good centers or wingers I mean so we shockingly agreed on that i did not think you were gonna pick um a rookie I did pick a rookie but I'm trying to make sure I don't... Oh,
1: Scott says, or Skokes, Ben Years and Wright is an unreal start for the Kraken. And
0: I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree too. When we say we eventually, think be they'll,
1: bad, they'll be they'll get there eventually.
0: Yeah, they're, they're kind of building it the right way. Like, Vegas doesn't really have a foundation like that. They just got a bunch of veterans, they molded mm-hmm. well together, and now they're an elite team. It they will fall time. off in short order. But, like, I think the duration of Stones Prime it's oh, yeah. kind of vegas's um window. Seattle doesn't have a win their windows just it, it's not even open yet. But when it opens it'll stay open for a while.
1: Frank, who will,
0: leave, who will lead the Vancouver Canucks in scoring?
1: This was really this was probably one of the toughest for me to be honest. There's a chalk answer I think, right? That everybody's expecting me to say. So I'm I'll say it. I'll say JT Miller. Right, everybody thinks that JT Miller is gonna lead, but there, there, they, I was tugging, it was tugging the other way. It's like the angel and devil on my shoulder for Pedersen, but I'm gonna go with JT Miller.
0: Yeah, I mean a Eli- lot.
1: Remember, I told you I'm not. I don't know about him, Vin. I don't know.
0: I'm going with JT Miller too. I do think JT Miller's really good. He's been good for like four straight seasons now. It's not a small sample size anymore. The contract will look bad in the final two years of it, but that happens with every contract. Basically, like look at Taves, right? Would you have said Taves' contract was bad? Seven, And I'm not comparing JT yeah. Miller to Taves. Like just some contracts you kind of have to accept the fact, like if you want this yeah. guy for the next five years, you're going to have to have him for seven. I agree. Yeah, that sucks. But, I mean, it is what it is. I do think Peterson has a chance to get back to that elite status. I mean, 68 points is really nice, but I thought this guy would have a 100-point season under his belt by now, and he just hasn't. Um, Quinn Hughes will be amongst the defensemen scoring leaders. He had 68 points last year. That's outstanding for a defenseman. But I'm going to stick with JT Miller too. And then Frank, of course, to end the predictions of the leading scorers, Of the Pacific Division, we will go with one of your favorite teams to watch, the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: I'd be shocked if we didn't agree here. Um, I'm going to go with Jack Eichel. A healthy Jack Eichel on a stacked Vegas Golden Knights roster. I loved what I saw from him last year. And now this year, I mean, he get a full year with him. I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't lead the Vegas Golden Knights in scoring. But, I mean, there are players on the team who are capable of passing him up too. But I'm going to go with Jack Eichel.
0: We lived in a world last year where Mark Stone played 37 games and Jack Eichel played 34. In those 34 games, Eichel had 25 points. Below point per game, still okay. Stone had 30 points in those 37 games. Okay, but not the Stone we know. They are both coming into training camp this year. And the depth on the depth on Vegas is awesome. Marcioso, 64 points. Stevenson, 64 points. Shea Theodore, 52 points. Petrangelo from the back end, also 44 points. That's two defensemen with more than 40 points. That's outstanding. Uh, Dadunov is a good player, 43 points. Wah, 39 points. Wild Bill, 35 points. The depth on this team is great. If Stone and Eichel can get going, They can win the cup. I agree. And I believe they will. I think Jack Eichel and Mark Stone are healthy. They're coming into this training camp trying to light the world on fire. And I believe Jack Eichel will lead them in scoring. And I believe he will get back to being known as one of the 10 best players in the NHL. Because that's what I thought of him around like right before COVID started. Jack Eichel with Buffalo was incredible. The players that he'll be able to play with on this Vegas team and he'll have a full training camp with them. He's not joining them mid season after a strange back surgery. It was tough for Eichel last year. The fact that he had 25 points in 34 games is almost like a miracle. He got off to a slow start. He really picked it up at the end. He's gonna know what to expect going into this season. He's not gonna get traded mid season while recovering from back surgery. Man Eichel went to to McDavid, and he's lived up to the hype in every way. I mean, in his career, he has 380 points in 409 games. You take out his rookie year, and he's well over a point-per-game player. And last okay, year was right. the first year he had a positive plus-minus, which is just a sign of Vegas. I hate plus-minus as a stat, but he's 25. He hasn't even really entered his true prime yet, and, man, Eichel is going to be unreal. I was thinking about getting a Vegas T-shirt of Eichel because he's number nine, and I love number nine. Mm-hmm. Skok wants to know if Vegas picked up another goalie. Last I remember, it was Ech. Yeah, it's still Ech. <laughs> That's the thing Vegas needs to address. Skokes, you know about Robin Leonard. I mean, he was with the Chicago Blackhawks for a couple years. He's out for the year. He doesn't seem to like the Vegas upper management at all. He's made many comments poo-pooing on them, and you remember the stuff with Flurry. But once they figure that out, I think the sky's the limit for them. We've also seen Vegas win games with your local Walmart cashier in between the net. Yep. And they're the best team in the league at uh, pulling these guys out of nowhere, and the, they'll play good enough. And if Eichel has 100 points and Stone has 80 and Theodore and – uh petrangelo lead from the back end have 40 plus points each and then the depth on forward like wild bill marcia uh riley smith all these guys have 50 to 60 points that's a cup contender right you know if wild bill can be patrick sharp and eichel can be jonathan taves and stone could be marion hosa patrick kane is a luxury few teams have a patrick kane maybe vegas trades for patrick kane who knows but I really like this Vegas team and Absolutely. I think I know I think I know where we're going with this when we rank them how we think they're going to finish this year but you know any last thoughts on the leading scorers from each division
1: No I think Vancouver for me I'm not high up on JT Miller we'll see if he proves me wrong but all the other ones I was pretty sure on so
0: Yeah I agree um, I'm kind of like writing down how I think they're going to stack up because I, I, I was so torn on this division. Like, who do I think is going to win it? Who do I think is going to make the playoffs? Where do I see each team falling? I think figuring out the bottom of the division is honestly harder than figuring out the top. Like, really?
1: I got yeah. the bottom.
0: You think you nailed the bottom? I, I think I nailed the very bottom team. They're on your head. Yeah, but, that's who I got. But I'm ta- I'm, I don't mean just. The bottom. Oh, I, know. Spot. I mean, like the bottom three spots.
1: Oh, I got struggling. the bottom three.
0: To me, it was pretty easy. All right, rank you. You could start from the bottom and get there, and tell me who, how you think the the division's going to stack up.
1: In eighth place, I got the Seattle Kraken. In seventh place, I got the San Jose Sharks. In sixth place. I got the Vancouver Canucks. In fifth place, I got the Anaheim Ducks. Fourth place, I got the Los Angeles Kings. Third place, I got the Edmonton Oilers. Second place, I got the Calgary Flames. In first place, I got the Vegas Golden Knights. Our lists are almost identical.
0: Almost identical. We have one. You fl-
1: probably flipped Edmonton and Calgary. No really
0: no i think the world of calgary i think the world of edmonton too it could go either way i wouldn't be shocked
1: you probably you probably flipped the kings and the ducks nope i said the bottoms the hardest the sharks in vancouver
0: yes so in last place i have seattle second to last place vancouver then san jose anaheim the kings Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas from bottom to the top. I do believe the Vegas Golden Knights after missing the playoffs by just a couple points last year, injury had a lot to do with it. We talked about Eichel and Stone. Yep. I believe they will reign supreme in the Pacific Division. I also think they're coming into this year hungry again. We haven't seen that since Vegas' first year. And it, I don't like to say it. they got complacent after making it to the cup in year number one, but I mean – I don't know. I just think Vegas is going to be like really fun again. I I I honestly think they're going to take it to that level. Like, not only are they going to be an elite team, they're going to be like Vegas is on tonight. Let's freaking go! That game has to at minimum be on as background noise.
1: I hope they win the cup. That'd be sick. I think they have
0: a legit shot, and they've put together this incredible, you know, pool of talent. They've gotten they've sent a lot of talent out the door too. Let's not fool ourselves. Montreal just named one of their prospects their captain. Okay. Uh freaking um, what are they called? The Ottawa Senators are feeling the fruits of Vegas giving away prospects. Right? Like Batherson's incredible and you know, stuff like that. But I really like this Vegas team. I also like the Battle of Alberta. Calgary or Edmonton could go either way. I put Calgary second just because they were second last year, but Edmonton went farther in the playoffs. I'm never crapping on Edmonton ever again. If I pick against them, I'm still going to leave that, you know, little asterisk like, oh, McDavid and Jai Seidel could do this though, just so I don't look like a complete fool because I refuse to let McDavid. Mm-hmm. I used to always say I'm not going to let Crosby make me look like a fool. If I'm picking against the Penguins, I'm going to throw an asterisk on there and say if Crosby and Malkin lead the way and, you know, win – I won't be surprised. And, you know, that's McDavid for me now. I won't let McDavid make me look like a fool. Okay? If I'm picking against him, it's not because of him. I think he's amazing. Yep. And, you know, I kind of feel the same way about the Leafs. We'll get to the Atlantic in a little bit, like, later on in the month. But, you know, that's just how I feel Calgary-Edmonton. I hope they come in second and third in either order because then I get a guaranteed Battle of Alberta. I also wouldn't hate if they didn't come in the same spot in the Battle of Alberta – was to win the Pacific division in the playoffs to go on to play the central champion in the third round. But that's where I'm standing on the whole thing. I So out of those teams, who's in the playoffs? Because we'll get to the central next week. So if you pick only three from the Pacific this year or this week, that next week you better remember to have four from the central. Kind of think ahead a little bit. I think I'm ready to pick my three.
1: I got four. You got four. I think it's going to be four from the Central and four from the Pacific. Okay. First, obviously, Vegas. They're going to win the division. Not worried about that. Calgary Flames will be another playoff team. The Edmonton Oilers will be a playoff team. Which, maybe that's the three you got. But the one team that is going to make the playoffs this year and be the fourth team to do it. Because obviously there were only three last year. It is the Los Angeles Kings.
0: We agree. We got the same
1: four. Oh, I thought you said um, you had three.
0: No, I have four. I think I'm going to go four. It's hard because is the fifth place team better than the fourth place team in the Pacific, in the Central? Maybe on paper, but you have to play those games – and I'm thinking about the Central Division, and I have three, I have four locks in a way, I think. And so that fifth spot, eh, I don't know, actually. I forgot about Dallas. I don't know. This is hard. This is really, really hard. There's going to be a great team from the Western Conference that misses the postseason next year. I'm going to go four and four. I am. I'm going to go four and four. Me and too. I'm going to take those four from the Pacific Division, and there's going to be a team I leave off from the Central that I think is going to come up just short. Sweet. So we'll get to that next week, so make sure you tune in, and that will be in the second period of next week when we break down the um, the Central Division. Frank, I asked you for your rankings, who's going to make the playoffs, the leading scorer from either team, but who is the most set up? for playoff success. Who from the Pacific division do you think will go the farthest?
1: It's Vegas, hands down. I mean, we've talked about them so much today. Eichel, Carlson, so, uh Petrangelo, Theodore, addition of Phil Kessel, get that playoff experience. I mean, and all these guys are healthy, so barring any health issues or injuries, I, I don't see how they're not the most set up for success.
0: Until they pick a goalie, I I don't trust them. Like I, I just in the playoffs. In the regular season, you can win with the local Walmart guy. You know, we've seen it from Vegas. I think Edmonton is wow. the team I think can go the farthest. They proved me wrong last year. They did it. And I, I know for a fact now, it's not just speculation anymore. I know for a fact now that Seidel and McDavid could come to play in the playoffs. And it really took Cale McCarr's speed to shut down McDavid in the playoffs this year. And McCarr looked like McDavid as a defenseman in that series. I think McDavid will have a plan for that if Edmonton and Colorado meet up again next year. McDavid, he's a student of the game as much as he is an elite player of the game. And I believe he will develop a way to match up against Kale McCarr in a playoff series. We'll see if, and McCarr is going to adjust too, obviously. I'm not saying it's a lock that Edmonton would beat Colorado, but we know how hard it is to repeat. We know how Edmonton can use players like McDavid, and I like their depth. I like having Evander Kane on the team for a full year now for them. Um, I think the world of Yamamoto and Pooley obviously we know about Dreisaitl. Um, their young defensemen that they've been drafting over the years are starting to come up, Evan Bouchard. Um, there's no Duncan Keith, which I think helps them. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Keith got top four minutes as a 39-year-old defenseman. Like It'll help to have a younger guy come up and play. I, Keith, Hall of Fame, retired number, You know, best defenseman of his era, in my opinion. I think Edmonton could do better now, and they're going to. And so that's why I think the little third place Edmonton Oilers who will have a hundred points from dry side of land. I think they're the most set up. They got a new goalie Campbell who was really good for the Leafs last year. And, and, and now I reserve the right to flip. Should Vegas make a huge goalie trade? Colorado got Georgiev. And I think that's going to be amazing for them. You know, does Seattle flip um, Grubauer? Do they give him to Vegas? Does Seattle go or does Vegas go for a Peter Mrazek at the trade deadline from the Blackhawks? Okay, I think that can help them. If if another great goalie becomes available, I don't know who off the top of my head, maybe someone from Dallas back up for Ottinger, if they step up and play well. Like there are lots of different options. I just – I got my faith in Edmonton right now. That's fair. So that's the Pacific Division. Is there any other note from the Pacific Division, though? Like maybe a team you said might not make the playoffs that you're still really excited for. And if they made the playoffs instead of one of your picks, you really wouldn't be all that surprised. And maybe you hope, maybe that's a situation you hope you're wrong for X reason or whatever. Close down the Pacific Division with something like that for me.
1: It could be the Ducks, you know. I mean, if the Ducks were to have a breakout year and, you know, Zegras really went off and he was the reason that they made it to the postseason and maybe just for some reason, the Kings have an off year and the Ducks pass the Kings because they're not going to pass Vegas, Calgary, or Edmonton. So if they made it in, they would have to, the Kings would have to miss because I don't think there's going to be only three teams from the central that make it. But I mean, I wouldn't be like jaw hits the floor per se, but, I mean, yeah, I'd say the Anaheim Ducks.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Zegras is going to make that Anaheim Ducks team like must see TV win or lose. Um, I ranked Vancouver as second to last. And I'm like, kind of, I'm not going to flip by any means, but I rem- like Bruce Boudreaux there. He normally has success with teams within his first couple seasons. They had 92 points last year. They had a great year last year, and they came up just short. They came seven points short. So if they could have found a way to win three other games, they would have been in the mix for the playoffs. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Vancouver proved me wrong and made a run at the playoffs with – if JT Miller has similar production and Peterson and Hughes take another big step, if Brock Besser gets back to his goal scoring prowess, Bo Horvat's in a contract year. If he went off, it wouldn't shock me. He he said he wants to remain the
1: captain Mm -hmm. of the
0: Vancouver Canucks. So if they prove me wrong a little bit, it wouldn't really shock me all that much. It really wouldn't be proving me wrong as much as you think. Um, I, I like watching Vancouver. I think they have one of the best jersey catalogs in the league. I don't love their home and roads, but their alternates are all awesome. The one with the stick and then the black one are so I like that their goal lights are on the
1: boards, too. Yes. They go around the boards. I really like that a lot.
0: And each stanchion has a, a light, right? Don't they? And when they score, they all flash.
1: Wait, what?
0: There's like a... Each stanchion has, like, blue lights. The stanchions are, like, the little things that hold the boards up. They have, like, blue lights, and they flash when they score, too. Well, that's what
1: I'm talking about. They're, like, on the side of the boards. But I
0: think each board has them. And they're, like, bright blue lights. And then what you're saying is the one behind the goal has red lights across the entire stanchion.
1: No, I was talking about the boards. Oh, okay. Like, when you score, like, the... Yes, we're talking about the same thing then. Yeah. I thought you were
0: talking about the actual goal. Like the no, I don't care about
1: light. the goal light behind the
0: – But it, I believe theirs is. It is. Like, it like is. The entire strip yeah. of the stanchion, yeah. Um. Remember the – what were those guys who sat by the penalty box? Do you remember them? The green men. The green men. They're not there. I love them. They were so funny. And I there were guys like Seabrook who would like mess with them a little bit, like have yeah. some fun with it. Because he was from Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I remember when they played Nashville, they would get like a cutout of Carrie Underwood if Mike Fisher took a penalty and they'd pretend to like kiss it. Yeah, that was They had
1: to have like all that stuff prepared. Oh,
0: yeah. Like in case this guy takes a penalty, we're going to go to town on pretending to kiss his wife. Yeah. Hilarious. So, Frank, that's the Pacific Division. I'm excited to watch Pacific Hockey. I feel like I get a fair portion of Pacific Hockey because – when our Central and Metropolitan and Atlantic games are over, those are the only ones left on. The other three divisions all kind of play at the same time. And then the Pacific, it's like, all right, well, freaking Vegas plays Calgary now. Okay, sign me the H up for that. So I'm excited about it. Can't wait to watch Pacific. And we will get to our fun period of bar down talking hockey in period number three. Welcome to period three, where one, two, three, let's have fun. Frank, the National Football League is back. Let's start with one overreaction positive and one overreaction negative from week one. Of the National Football League. We think we got the whole league figured out. This team sucks.
1: This team's awesome. What are your overreactions? I got two positives. Yes, let's go. And I got two negatives. I'll do two and two. I'll do two and two. One, the Giants, man. The Giants are fantastic. They had the balls to go for a two-point conversion. I mean, they didn't play a bad game. They, they held the Titans offense for the whole game pretty much down. They looked fantastic. Go Giants. Second one, the Bears. I don't hate what I saw from the Bears. I don't care if it was raining and it was a monsoon. I don't care. It was the same for both teams. So step up and win the game then. I I, I came into this year saying I still have a lot of faith in fields. He proved it to me that he could play through the elements. And, I, I you know, I I don't hate it. I mean, maybe the Bears are going to be better than I thought. Going to get more than three wins, I would think, especially after that one, because that wasn't one of the ones we had picked for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the negatives go, Bengals stink. Which, I mean, they looked, come on, Joe Burrow looked awful. He looked awful. Fearless McPherson couldn't make a kick for his life. I mean, that was just, it's really embarrassing for a guy who had so much hype that he doesn't miss. He's so automatic. I mean that it was kind of embarrassing for Joe Burrow too. But then again, you make it to the Super Bowl in that first game. I mean, I, it, it's like with the Rams. I'm telling you, there's just something about that first week of the next season. And also, the Broncos stink, which I I'm telling you, they're not going to make the playoffs. I said that last week. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And it's just and you got people on the, the your starting wide receiver roster. I've never even heard of who's Hamler. Hamler who's AJ Hamler?
0: Yeah, Hamler didn't have. A, he's not their guy.
1: He's the one of their starters. Yeah, he's, he's their not starter.
0: A difference maker.
1: The guy who got chopped this weekend, Hamler.
0: Yeah. yeah, because
1: he's a starter. He's a starter, and he didn't even get thrown the ball. And Russell Wilson can't throw the ball to anyone. I don't know. Those are my two, two of each.
0: First of all, young one, the Giants suck, and the Bears. I liked what I saw from the bears. Okay. I'll give you that. People are like, it's raining. It was raining for both teams. And if you're flying in an airplane, I heard this on Colin Coward show. He made this funny ass analogy. If your pilot crashed the plane in the rain, would you like give him a pass? Cause it was raining. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, you gotta fucking land the airplane asshole. Yeah. I exactly. don't give a shit that it's raining. Uh, the Bengals, Joe Burrow was great in the second half. You must have forgot the 20-point comeback that they made, and if it wasn't for their stupid-ass kicker. I hate all kickers. That's my biggest overreaction to week one. I hate every single kicker except for Tucker. Tucker's elite. Um, uh, I. The Broncos, they lost to themselves. And if you try to argue with me that they didn't and you don't think those are correctable mistakes, I'm going to question if you watch the game. They had f- first and goal twice and got zero points inside yep. the five. They were a disaster, a disaster inside the five that gets corrected because Russell Wilson's elite. I think I hate their coach. though.
1: That was a Nathan bad call. Daniel Hackett. That was a bad call.
0: Peyton, did, did you catch the clip? From yeah, here? it was Peyton. hilarious. I love it. Hilarious. And, again, another thing that I think will be corrected, and that's why I'm not out on the Broncos after one week. But if Nathaniel Hackett continues to coach that football team like that, then I'll back out on the Broncos and say, Frank, hand up. You were right about the Broncos. I'm certainly not doing that after one week. Other, if we did that after one week, a bunch of division winners that we had would be done. I had the Broncos winning their division. Or no, I had the Broncos not winning their division. I had them making the Super Bowl. But because I like the talent on the team and their offensive line looked good. Russell Wilson had plenty of time. Russell Wilson was great except for when he was in within goal. Um, their defense looked good. They stopped the Seahawks for the most part in general. They weren't as clutch as I'd like to see them be. But, hey, credit to Geno Smith too. Geno Smith worked his ass off to get a starting job again, and he won it in camp this year. He was great. I have no problems with – and here's another thing people often forget. What coach in the NFL has a game plan to beat Russell Wilson more than Pete Carroll? And they had Richard Sherman in town to help the D-backs prepare for Russell Wilson. I don't know how I didn't throw – if I would have known that before the game, I would have threw $200 on the season And I'm a Broncos guy. I'm all in on the Broncos this year. I think I laugh at people who overreact to week one in anything, especially about the Broncos. But all that, like Pete Carroll knows how to, like he knows what Russell Wilson's going to do. He knows how to make him quirk. Richard Sherman went against him in practice more than any defensive back, probably. Like, I don't know how, and nobody saw that coming, to be honest with you. And we pick good teams to lose all the time. Uh, I think the world of the Broncos – the reason they lost, I think, is very fixable. And I still think – I think the Chiefs are going to win their division, but the Broncos, I'm still in on them. Uh, my biggest overreaction is that I do think the Bears are going to beat Green Bay this week. I agree with skokes He says 20 20 Bears. My biggest overreaction, and you could call this negative. In our world, it's positive, but negative – when I mean negative, I mean for that team. It's it, This is a negative overreaction. The Green Bay Packers suck. Yep. This is this is freaking the defense. All saw, all summer I heard, yeah, they got rid of Devonte Adams. That's a target that Aaron lost, you know, that that sucks for him. But this is the best defense he's ever had. The Minnesota Vikings took the Green Bay Packers and made them gargle mayonnaise. That's yep. how freaking much they dominated them. That's they a positive did. overreaction that the Minnesota Vikings are the best team in the NFC North. Um, another takeaway that I have, you could call it positive or negative. It's more of an overreaction. I all of the sudden think that the AFC North can be an elite division. I like what I saw from the Browns. Okay. If the Browns can remain steady, and then I hate his guts. He's a scumbag, bad off the field, crap person. If I could boot him from the league, I would. The circumstances are, though, that he's not booted from the league. And when he does play, he's a very good quarterback, Deshaun Watson. If you're if you're just over five hundred, you get Deshaun Watson back, and he plays like the Deshaun Watson that once was, the Browns could win the division. Okay, that's what I think of the Browns roster as a whole. I just don't really love the quarterback situation until week 11. And the Bengals and the Steelers was just a magnificent game that might have been the best game of the entire weekend. And the Steelers choked a huge lead, but they had the huge lead, which made me look at them in a different way. I had them coming in last. Now I'm not so sure. The Bengals, Joe Burrow was brutal in the first half. He threw a 1,000 interceptions, and then he ended up being, like, a 40-point play- fantasy player in the league I'm in because he was so good in the second half. And when you have Jamar Chase on the team, you could just chuck and hope good things happen at that point. So, and so then what's the team? Oh, the Baltimore Ravens. All I hear all the time is negative talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson might've been the prettiest looking quarterback the entire weekend. He thro- he's throwing the ball as well as he's ever thrown it. And yes, he can run and, you know, do what he's got to do with his legs. At least he knows how to slide. I'm watching Trey Lance get hit by defenders because he doesn't know how to slide. He doesn't slide. He he thinks he's a running back. At least Lamar Jackson doesn't think he's a running back. He's a mobile quarterback. He knows how to slide. He knows when the play is over. And he's been throwing it well. And I'm, I'm all in on this division. I think all four teams have a chance to be very good. So that's one of my overreactions as well. Another overreaction I have. My guy Tom Brady looked great. But the team around him did not. And they still found a way to win a football game. That's what the Buccaneers are going to do all season long. When you have Tom, you have a smarter brain than everybody else around you. You can win games you don't deserve to win. And that's how they've won Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl because Tom Brady is the GOAT. And the Dallas Cowboys
1: suck. And now they're going to be really bad. Yeah, unless they, they trade for Jimmy bag. G,
0: then they'll win the division.
1: Oh, another overreaction. They're, they I'm, better not trade for Jimmy G because the Trey Lance looked bad.
0: But it yeah. was raining. But. Yeah, I, and I know we we don't like to say raining is an excuse. I do. I do need to see more from Lance. I'm not out on Lance after one game in the rain. Just but like I, I would trade Garoppolo
1: though, and just like go all in on Lance.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that'll make Lance play better though. I've seen th- – that has worked. Don't tell me that that hasn't worked. Getting that shadow off of you. Getting that shadow all- away from you. Yeah, Skyler, no way they're giving up Jimmy G. I mean, I wouldn't. I would have started him from the beginning. I I would have let another team draft Trey Lance and develop him with their whole team like the Bears did with Fields. I'm not out on Trey Lance. I, I just think a roster like San Francisco can be – anyone with an okay quarterback
1: yeah
0: i'm interested to see how if san francisco comes out next week and dominates their opponent i don't know who they're playing yet is it seattle which i'm not picking against seattle in the survival pool for at least a couple weeks uh they were part of my plan to like just feast on them no i'm not doing that yet they're not they're not not there yet Uh uh-uh they're not bad bad yet um and if the Bears lay an egg against Green Bay, I'll go back and look at Week One a little differently. I'll be the rain really helped the Bears. The did they
1: blow out the the Packers? If they blow like out like thirty-one the Packers, to ten, I'll start thinking playoffs. I would too because Week Three they play the Texans, and then I think they win that game easy.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I don't think very highly. I mean, no, because I do think highly of the Vikings. Like I could see the Vikings winning a shit ton of games with that offense. I mean, most teams would sign up for Thielen to be their number one. He's their number two, and it's not close. Jefferson's going to reset the wide receiver market in terms of contracts. He's going to be the highest paid wide receiver in short order. And Kirk Cousins, I'll tell you what, he takes a lot of crap. He's dorky. He looked like a complete clown in his postgame interview. He looked like he was ready to go, you know, yell at a manager at a grocery store. But I'll tell you, when he's on the field, I'm starting to think he's underrated. He's not good. I'm not calling him a top 10 guy. There are 10 guys I'd rather have than him. But, I mean, he's good enough to take advantage of that talent on their offense. And it's been a while since the Vikings were an offensive-type team. Okay, I remember Adrian Peterson. I remember Randy Moss. Justin Jefferson, Thieland, I like their tight ends. Good offensive line. Kirk Cousins is an okay enough quarterback. I'll say Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's better than okay. I'm sorry. He's better than okay. He's not great. He's good. He's good. Good. He's good. (laughs) And so, and another overreaction game, Philly versus Detroit, Frank. Philly is really good. They're like really good on paper and they barely beat the lions who I think are going to have an okay year. I don't love Goff anymore. When he was with McVeigh, he was awesome, but I just, I don't see it from Goff long-term, but he's good enough. He's kind of like cousins in a way he'll never make. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever make way on an offense like cousins has this year. And I'm starting to forget about the narrative that, Cousins can't win big games. He just won a huge game. That was a huge win for the Vikings. It, like anybody who says he can't win huge games, not anymore. He won a huge game. He like he also he ended the the primetime streak where he didn't win a prime I think he ended that last year or the year before. Yeah. And the only person Khalil Mack put the fear of God in Kirk Cousins. Khalil Mack plays for the Chargers now, so I don't know what do you have. The only, that,
1: but before you go on, the only thing about Kirk Cousins is that his record, though against teams above 500, is terrible. So we yep. haven't seen that yet.
0: He beat Green Bay in Week One this week,
1: though. But they were they were 500.
0: I okay, I know, I know. Again, I'm not saying. I think, the world of Kirk Cousins. He's probably like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. But I think they can win with him. Do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. But can... uh, It's an offensive league now, guys. Like, if you could score a crap ton of points, you have a chance in each and every game. If you're down 10 in the fourth quarter, you can come back. And the Vikings have a pretty good defense. So... I don't know. I'm high on the Vikings right now. We'll see if they prove me wrong. The Bears did beat the 49ers, though. We touched on it a little bit. Um, What's your main takeaway from that?
1: My main takeaway is it took Fields a little bit to get going, but he looked great. I mean, I shouldn't say great.
0: In the second half, he looked great.
1: Yeah, in the second half. In the first half, he he looked awful, kind of. I'll say it. He was brutal in the first half. But the second half, I mean, I, I don't know. I might switch my tune around with the Bears this year, because I'm still very confident in Fields. So, and he proved me right this week. So, I, I like what I saw from him.
0: I was thinking before the season started, if the Bears go three and whatever, what, what would that be? Three and for what? Fourteen. Three and fourteen. If they yeah. went three and fourteen, and Fields looked good, I'd be happy with it because they could have a top three draft pick get you know whatever player there's a bunch of really good players in this year's draft and two including two quarterbacks but then i'm like if they're three and 14 that probably means fields didn't have a good year like i just don't see a world where a quarterback has like this great year where you're like so confident in him going forward and you have three wins out of it So then I'm like, if they go 3 and 14, like, do they consider drafting freaking Bryce Young out of Alabama or CJ Stroud out of Ohio State? Like, do you go Ohio State quarterback two times in a row? I'm like, I don't know if that's like really good vibes. Now I'm kind of thinking, like, I need the Bears to at least be respectable. And Fields needs to show what he showed in the second half of the last Mm -hmm. game. And he needs to make his reads. And there's still a lot of room to improve. And it won't be rainy next time, okay? Green Bay does have a really good defense on paper. We'll see if they come to play this week. Um, But I think 49ers' defense is better than Green Bay's. And Green Bay will play at Lambeau Field on, you know, probably dry turf. I don't foresee it raining in Wisconsin this weekend. But I just... I, I like what I saw. I, I, it's weird because they didn't like dominate any. Like they didn't blow them out. It was a close game. It was 19 10. It was a disgusting, rainy, nasty day. It made me want Arlington Heights even more because there's just so clearly, absolutely no drainage system at Soldier Field whatsoever. But <laughs> Skokes points out that there's a 60% chance of rain in GB this Sunday. I take that. Uh, back- I take back what you know what? The uh, rain game 2.0. Let's just win seven. A little rain. Games. Let's win 10 games all in the rain. I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, the thing I have, the bears defense didn't look awful and they made Lance look bad, right? Like there's something to a defense making a quarterback look bad too. And Eddie Jackson had an interception. He's a ball hawking safety. Um, the Packers are going to be without their two best offensive linemen again this week. And so could a Robert Quinn have a big week when he doesn't have Bakhtiari guarding Aaron Rodgers or I forget the other guy's name who's missing I wrote an article on both of them but I don't know the point of attack of attack is going to be the key focus for the Bears this weekend against the Packers talking about the offensive and defensive lines but give me the Bears over the Packers I think I don't know I'm excited I agree what was your favorite week one moment
1: Probably the last two minutes in overtime of the Steelers and Bengals game. I mean, that was just electric. I thought a team was going to win probably on four or five different occasions. I kept flipping back and forth. Like, all right, Bengals just scored. They're going to kick the extra point at the end of the game to win. He misses the extra point. Then it goes to overtime and, like, Mitch drives down at least halfway. And then I don't know what happened. I think they turned it over. Then the Bengals got the ball back, and it went back and forth, and then Boswell hit the upright, and McPherson misses a a field goal in overtime. I'm like, what's going on? And that was clearly one of the most exciting games of week one. So that's probably takes the cake.
0: I was thinking about mentioning that game. I do think that that is probably my favorite game of the weekend. I really liked the Monday night football game, too. I didn't get the outcome I wanted and freaking Nathaniel Hackett pissed me off in in more ways than you could possibly imagine because I am rooting for the Broncos this year. I have a vested interest in the Broncos, but the game between the Seahawks and the Broncos was incredible. I mean, there were goal line stops and missed field goals and made field goals and touchdowns and shocking moments from Seattle and the storyline between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and he's getting booed by the copious amounts of Seahawks fans. It had the highest um, – what's the scale to measure sound? Decibels. It had the highest decibel level of any Seahawks game since like the Legion of Boom days. And it was just an electric game. I'm going to go with that. I thought Monday Night Football was outstanding. Could the game been have been a little more high? Like what I have loved to see, a little more fireworks. The Broncos should have won by two touchdowns, I think – you know, if you look at the advanced metrics of the game, it heavily favored the Broncos, they're a significantly better team than the Seahawks, but they they were the Seahawks were smarter and they played the game a much better. and I just I loved the theater of it. It was like it was like what we love about sports. like it had a storyline. It was yep. it was everything you like in the game, and yeah, shout out to Monday Night football. the the Sunday Night game was a dud. I got what I wanted because Tommy Boy won. But in terms of like entertainment value, the Dallas Cowboys were the only team in Week One that didn't score a single touchdown. All thirty-two teams scored a touchdown except for the Dallas Cowboys. So, that was my favorite moment from Week Number One.
1: Did uh, did the Bears end up choosing a new president? Or? No. Oh, okay.
0: Uh, Ted Phillips is their president until February. I'm sure the process of naming a new one will. Um. Okay come after that, but it'll be during the off season. Gotcha. Preview week. Number two, anything you're looking at
1: that you like? Yeah, there's a couple games. I'm excited for chargers chiefs tomorrow night. I think that'll be a pretty good game. Yes. sir. I think it'll, there'll be a lot of offense in that game. Uh, besides that bears Packers should be a good one. Cause I do think the bears have a chance for an upset here. And anytime the bears could upset the Packers at Lambeau field, I'm all, I'm up for that. And Patriots and Steelers, because I think the Steelers are not with Mac Jones injured. And the way the Steelers played last week, I didn't hate the way the Steelers played. I think the Steelers are going to start out 2 0. But other than that, there's not really many games that are that exciting this week. It's kind of a lot of boring games.
0: To me, no matter what, Seahawks versus 49ers will always be one of the best rivalries in the NFL. So I'm excited to see how that game goes. 305 on Sunday. Um, obviously, it's it's Packers week in Chicago. That's a big deal. Tomorrow's game between the Chargers and Chiefs will certainly be interesting. I also – there's a noon game on Sunday between the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens, and I believe those two teams are both – so there's S-tier, and then there's A-tier, and then B-tier. I think they're both like lower-end A-tier teams. I really, really do. I like the Dolphins and the Ravens a lot this year, and I'm excited to see how they match up against one another. Tua versus Lamar, it's going to be great. I will pick the Ravens probably, but – you know, I, I I talked highly of the Dolphins all season long. It wouldn't surprise me if they go to Baltimore and win by any means. Um, seeing the Commanders play the Lions will be interesting to me because the Bears play the Commanders later this season, and that's one of the hardest games for me to get a gauge on all season long. Um, and I think both Monday night football games next week are outstanding. The Tennessee Titans against the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, I think the Bills will probably kill them. But, you know, there's a chance that Tennessee plays like Tennessee of last year with a good defense and a good run game and make it interesting on the Bills. And then Vikings versus Eagles. I think that game has a potential to be so good. And those two teams always match up well against one another. You might remember the Minnesota miracle a couple years ago. You know, I love seeing games like that. That was against the Saints, but, you know, I just think like big games for the Vikings, they're fun to watch for whatever reason. They're in Philly, and yeah, Cardinals Raiders should be pretty good too, even though they're both 0-1. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's just week one.
0: Yeah. Oh, also the Buccaneers and the Saints. The Buccaneers are clearly think. better on paper. Tom's 0-4 against the Saints in, the regular, season, in the regular season. 1-0 and in the playoffs. Wow. He beat them when it mattered most in the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl. 0-4 in the two regular seasons combined. Wow. So yeah. Back off with that. You're Frankie's about, I'm about to throw a I'm about to throw a yeah, Frank
1: on the freaking Saints now. I mean, the I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. And it's in New Orleans. Yeah. So it's gonna be an interesting game, I'm telling you. Bucks Saints is always interesting. It's a great rivalry. And Tom has they're the Dolphins of the NFC for Tom. You know how he he just struggled at times? He eventually did break through against the Dolphins from time to time. I do think that first win against the Saints has to come. Hopefully it's this weekend. We'll see. Absolutely. Frank, Big Brother 24 is getting juicy.
1: It is. It is.
0: Talk to me about it.
1: Well, we're down to the final five you want me to do spoilers or no spoilers? What do you mean? I was going to say who won HOH.
0: That was Sunday's episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, okay, if you haven't caught up on Big Brother, (laughs) turn off now. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, because Monty won HOH, and you said that you'd think that he would target Turner. I I knew because I think Turner's the clear favorite to win, in my opinion, because I just love the way he's playing. And I mean, there is a way if Taylor won veto, Turner would have to go up. Yeah. We're at that point now. We're at that point. Yeah. But I knew Monty wouldn't take the shot at Turner, which is what I was trying to tell you. I just, I didn't see it happening. I didn't think he, he had like the guts to do it um, because of how close they are. But sometimes you got to make big decisions and, and cut off those ties. Um, And, and it would gain a little bit of respect. I think, I mean, Turner would probably be bitter at first, but over time you kind of get over it and say, yeah, it was a good game move. Like how Michael was bitter, but I think over time, Michael will be not as bitter as he like ferments in the jury house or whatever the word you want to use for. So he like stays there for a long period of time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, what are you thinking? This is your first final five.
0: Yeah. It's my first final five. If Taylor wins, Turner's gone. (laughs) Yeah. He's gone like the wind if Taylor wins veto.
1: I agree. Probably.
0: And I like Turner. I'm a Turner guy. I do believe he will be a guest on this podcast. Um, Our relationship with Pooch grows a little more with each week because we were responding to each other on TikTok Live a couple weeks ago, or I think it was probably last. Was it? Did we talk about it on our show last week? No. Okay. Then it was since then. So, yeah. And he remembers us. He's a I would consider him a friend of the program at this point. And we'll get him back. We'll get Turner on. I'm excited. Part of me's like, I want Turner to win. But if he gets eliminated, oh no, he would have to go to the jury house. We're waiting the same amount of time, regardless if he wins or loses. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know, but we'll get Turner on at some point. I'm excited about it.
1: Yep. I'm I think
0: at this point, though, because Turner made it so far. We would have to wait a little bit to get them on. Like, it would have to be at least late October, early November at the earliest.
1: Oh, you think?
0: Yeah, why? What were you thinking?
1: I don't think so. I think a lot of those people, like, go and do interviews right away. Like, you'll see them, like, on certain shows. Like, they'll post on, like, social media that they were interviewed by so-and-so, I think. I think that's, like, some of the best times to catch them is right after.
0: Yeah, that's true we'll see what happens we'll get pooch back on though he's very into sports oh yeah i mean it's kind of funny because buddy needs to realize that like most of his following right now is big brother people and he's doing a live for the dodgers giants game he's talking about mookie Betts. people in his chat i don't freaking know who mookie Betts is are trying to get big brother t from him you know yeah, yeah <laughs> so right really funny to me but he'll develop that following and if I can help them, I'll I'll do it. You know we have a pretty good following here at the bar room and using fan side and whatnot, so it's good stuff. Um, I love Big Brother. I cannot wait to see how this whole thing shakes up. But at
1: the same time, I'm like,
0: show's freaking almost over. We got two weeks left, and
1: but it was very fun, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it was, and I'm already. And you know the winter will go by fast because in in what we lose in Big Brother, we'll gain in hockey, and we've already gained football. And the MLB postseason will make the month of October go by faster than uh, vanilla bean. So, shout out to Big Brother reference. For those who don't know, um, or no, butterbean, butterbean. Yeah, I'll drop faster than a butterbean. Um, I love Big Brother, and I can't wait for it to return next summer. It'll be, I'll be ready for it again when it comes back. Is my best. Like I kind of feel that way about all the sports too.
1: Yeah. You know, when
0: when they end, I feel like I'm relieved of a, a grind. Like, okay, the Super Bowl just ended. I've been covering this damn sport for the last six months. Now it's time for the off season, and we'll reconvene at the draft, and then we'll be back in time for next season. I feel the same way about Big Brother. It's going to take a long time to dissect what happens with the winner and what goes on in the final weeks of the season. But yep. it's great. I love it.
1: 11 days till finale.
0: That's wild.
1: I can't believe it's on a Sunday.
0: That sucks.
1: It's always on a Wednesday. I know.
0: I, that's what you said.
1: Well, I for, don't understand.
0: And there's a sick football game that night, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I forgot what it was. I forgot what it
0: was, too. It's for like Bucs 49ers, 49ers or something. Oh, maybe, maybe. I thought the Chiefs came to mind, though. I forget. It's a sick game, though. And maybe what we'll do is we'll have to watch the finale with the football game on the computer. And then when the finale's over, the game will go back on the TV. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards with that. Cause you can't wait on the big brother finale yeah. that has to be watched live. And I love football and I would rank football ahead of big brother. Probably. Except like I, it's pretty even honestly, like I have to see the finale on time uh, with football. It's like, Sports, you got to watch live for the most part. Big Brother, you can watch recorded except for the finale, in my opinion. All right. So I'm excited about it. Frank, are yep. you ready to win people some money?
1: Uh, Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Two for three, I think.
0: Was it two for three again?
1: I think it was back-to-back weeks with two for three. I think. I'm not 100%, but...
0: Very good. Well, Frank, let's try and get you to win people some money in America's favorite podcast segment of the week Breaking Bets.
1: Where's my money, bitch?
0: Frank, win some people some money, will you?
1: Well, just like always, I got three picks for you guys. I'm going to start off with Rays and Jays. Rays and the Blue Jays. I'm feeling Rays' money line at minus 106 is a good pick. Uh, Rasmussen for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's been amazing this year. Jays are up 2-1 to one in the series. Rays got a chance to even it out. It's a big game for the Rays. They're fighting for a playoff spot and to keep their playoff spot. So, I'm going to go with the Rays in a crucial situation here and they need a big win and it could come tonight. Rays money line at -106. Second game. Yankees at Red Sox. What a what a rivalry, what a matchup. I'm going to go with the Yankees money line here. I don't know if Judge isn't playing or why the line is like this, but the Yankees money line is -130. I would think it would be a lot higher because Bello is pitching for the Red Sox, and he just—he absolutely stinks. Bello sucks; he's not a good pitcher. And Cortez is going for the Yankees, which is makes me a little worrisome. Which, in situations like this, I would generally go away from the obvious and go with the Red Sox, but I'm going to go with the Yankees. I mean, if Judge is playing, which you—I I, don't—I don't see how he's playing in the line is like this, but. Um, when I, when I did research on this, the lineouts weren't out yet, so they probably are now, but yeah, Yankees money line at minus minus one thirty. I mean, it's worth a shot. I think you should give it a shot, but, uh, yeah. Uh, my third pick Dodgers at the diamondbacks. This is a situation where you go away from the obvious because the line is just too good to be true. I'm going to take the diamondbacks here who haven't been able to score a run on the Dodgers in two games and take the uh, the Diamondbacks' money line at plus 108. I mean, I don't know. It's either May, Dustin May, or Grove that's pitching. I had two different answers, so I, I don't know who's pitching. But why the Diamondbacks plus 108 when they haven't been able to score a run on the Dodgers? It just seems too good to be true to go with the Dodgers. And usually in betting, when it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. You could also, if you don't like that, at plus 108, you could also get no-run first inning at plus 108. It's the same price, so you could kind of pick and choose what you please. Either one is a viable option in my mind. But that's what I got for you this week.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The pitching matchup is still unlisted on the MLB app for the Dodgers.
1: It was Grove earlier. Yeah. And now and now they took it down. It might be Dustin May. That makes sense. So, so I mean you got you gotta watch out for that. So if you don't like that, just do no run first inning. I think regardless it might hit. Because Zach Davies is pitching for the Diamondbacks. He's been pretty good this season with them. So
0: absolutely. And that's breaking bets with Frankie Mueller, always trying to win people money. You could either fade him or support him and follow along with his picks. I think following him is the smarter decision, personally. But Frank, that's our show. What a what a hockey filled show. It's been a long time since our show had that much hockey chatter, I would say.
1: Oh yeah. It was a great show. A lot of hockey talk, and we're a couple weeks away from preseason. So
0: Yep. And one thing I wanted to say, I just found out while you were doing your segment the Devils signed Zach Sinition to a professional tryout contract, meaning he'll like show up to camp, play in the preseason, yeah. and have a chance to make the team. Zach Sanitian was a first-round pick when the Bruins had three in a row. And the Bruins picked um, Jake DeBrusque, Zach Sanitian, and then who was the third one? Now I'm drawing a blank on the third one. And Joey was convinced all three of them were going to be superstars. It wasn't a mistake that they didn't take Matt Barzell with either of those three picks. (laughs) So... I can't remember. I, why am I blanking on who the third one is? It was Zach Sinitian, Jake Debrusque, who Jake Debrusque's a good player. You know, they hit on one of the three, which I guess is really all you need at that point. I said if one of the three Blackhawks picks from this year becomes a good player, they'll have one, they'll that, that'll be a good draft. So if two or three of them become good, that's how you start building like yeah. a legit core. But man, Sinishans on the Devils. That's interesting. For now, he might get cut. I think he's gonna get cut anyway. But we'll see what happens. Frank, what a great show. It was outstanding. I'm so happy to do this. Next week, we'll come at you with another preseason um, division preview, and we'll start getting in the prospect challenges while I have already started. My prospect pyramid will in all likelihood be done, and I'll be ready to share that with the world for those who care. Um, the NFL week two, we'll get all down and dirty with that as well as our hockey analysis. You could follow all the great shows here at the Barroom Network, including tomorrow's Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m., where we will dissect what's going on with the Chicago White Sox, the Chicago Cubs, and everything around them in Major League Baseball. Of course, you got the great Chicago Bears shows. We got this show covering the NHL as the season approaches. The NBA will certainly get its love here at the Barroom Network, and then the South Purbs Hitman again on Monday night at 8 p.m., where we will talk about this White Sox team that. If they lose this game to Seattle, they're down or to Colorado, they're down three nothing right now. If they lose, they'll be four games out because the Guardians did come back and beat the Los Angeles Angels. And it's just a shame that the White Sox can really have a stretch where they went 10 and five with their new manager and they lost that much ground because Cleveland's on this kind of winning streak. That's what happens when you dig yourself in a hole and you could get hot and it still won't matter. You know, coming back is very difficult in all of sports, and that's where it's at. So, We'll break it down, though. We'll be here for you. You could read all Frankie Mueller's stuff on apptrigger.com, and make sure you follow him on Twitter, at TheKingBean. You could read all my stuff at the three sites that I cover, and follow me, at Vinnie Parisi. I retweet every single article that I write, and I retweet. I've been lately retweeting every article that I edit, which, you know, every click helps. So thank you very much to those who read, listen to the podcast, follow along. It's so much fun to do and be a part of. Frank, any last words?
1: go bears
0: go bears indeed it's packer week f the packers we hope they're able to get her done as always let's go socks stay hockey stay family and as always thank you for listening